Listen in for messages from this episode. Know when you're avoiding something and name it if you can't, like when you can, right? Sometimes we don't even know we're avoiding things <laughs> and it's okay. And we honor, oh, I didn't know that then about myself. I didn't know that I was avoiding. So we send love to that part that was avoiding unconsciously. And then we bring it into consciousness and we bring it into our breath. Okay, breath, I'm here with you. I'm here with my body. Yeah, let's be with this. And if we can't, we acknowledge that too. Beautiful soul, have you ever wanted to speak to angels? Do you believe angels can support you in your daily life? If this is you, go to my website homepage, theangelmedium.com and sign up for my weekly angel message email. As a gift for signing up, I'm giving you access to free resources, including 31 healing meditations that if you do daily are going to help you hear your angels and your own intuition more clearly. Start using these today and you'll see changes in 31 days. Now, take a deep breath. Feel the presence of your angels as they fill you with love, joy, peace, bliss, and ease. And remember, your angels say the messages that resonate with you in today's episode are meant just for you. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And friends, today we have a very, very special guest for you. And actually, we are live with the Angel Membership as we are doing this interview for you today. We're with Ashley Niece. If you don't know her from Instagram, you have to go follow her over there. She is the author of How to Breathe. She is also the author of Permission to Rest, which you can purchase your um, copy of right now, uh, which I believe is coming out this fall. So pre-orders really help authors. Um, Permission to Rest. I love that for this year, 2023, which the angels are calling the year of ease. Um, And so this fits in wonderfully. Thank you so much for being here, Ashley. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am very happy to be here. Yay. Um, I want to start out with one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show is because um, a couple of different things. We here on the Angels and Awakening podcast really talk about things in terms of energy and shifting our energy and being able to just exist here in these physical bodies. I think that's a lot of what this life is all about. But the practice you have created really interweaves a lot of energy healing, a lot of just existing and practical tools that people can use in their everyday life to come back into their physical bodies, to really check in with themselves, to be present with themselves. But I think it's fascinating that you kind of see energy, the way that I see energy, you see energy through breath. And that, you know, I think of breath work as just kind of being in a class maybe and we're lifting our our chests and, and inhale with the lungs and then exhale. But you talk about how important the breath work is for intimate, 
intimacy with yourself, that you can use breath work to connect even more with your partner and just share that closeness and that bond with your partner, that you can use your breath to shift when you need to be creative or bring through ideas or write or whatever it might be in your work. Um, you can shift into creativity. And also when we go through a lot in life or we experience different things, we can use breath to heal. We can use breath when we as mamas sometimes snap and we have those moments with our kids. And, and you really talk a lot about repair and how you can go back and say, hey, um, I need to repair this with you. Let's do some breath work to repair repair together and come closer together. So we're going to talk about all this today. But first, welcome to the show. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really yeah. happy. Yay. Okay. So talk about some of this. What do people need to know when it comes to I want to start with repair because this is such a fascinating topic to me that how does this even work? You have a situation, maybe you get a little frustrated with your partner or your child. How do you come back to that person and repair and heal what just happened? That's a great question. And repair is a big, big part of my practice and Breathwork makes that much more possible for me. And I often weave breathwork into my repair. So I'll give the example of raising my voice, our four and a half year old son, which I have done um, before. And when I, and I can feel myself in that moment, for one, my energy is going up. And in that moment, I am under-resourced, uh, probably very tired, <laughs> very frustrated already. Right? It's like kind of things have been stacking right, for a particular amount of time throughout the day. And then it's just, whoop, the lid's off that one. And I can feel that all happening. And sometimes what's beautiful is I can tap into my practice before I the lid goes off and kind of organize myself and go, I just need to take a minute. I need to take a breath because I can feel myself getting to that place of kind of snapping. And so what's great about Breathwork is that it offers so much awareness, right? So that's, to me, it's an awareness practice. And so with practice, I can have that awareness to kind of potentially catch it beforehand. And in moments when I can't, I have the repair. And so the repair for me often looks like, let's say that in that example, I've, I've snapped, right? I've yelled. I immediately, it's like, it's almost immediately like, oh, my heart, I can feel my heart. I often will, as I'm doing right now, I'll just put my hand on my heart and I'll take an exhale. Go, okay, that just happened. All right, what do I need to do for myself in this moment first? I got to take care of myself first. And then once I'm organized, then I can turn to my son and say, oh, I'm sorry that just happened. I'm sorry I just yelled at you or whatever, whatever it was. Um, can we take a moment together and just sit here and breathe? Is there anything that you need from me? Right? And so it's also really asking that question. Like, it's not just up to me to decide what the repair is. Like, we're in this relationship. And even though he's only four and a half, there's different ways that he can communicate that to me. Like, this is what I need. Or he might say, I didn't like that. Or um, I don't want you to do that. Or whatever it is. And then part of the repair is me hearing that, right? Just really hearing that and going, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Not getting defensive, not trying to change his mind. It's like the the repair really requires me to be in a space where I can meet him and attune to him in a particular way. And if I'm not there, I don't do the repair. So I don't always do a repair in a moment. Sometimes the lid will go off and later in the day, 
I'll make the repair and that's okay too. <laughs> it's okay. We don't always, I don't always have the time to repair in the moment either because I've got a 16 month old as well. And you know, all the things are happening. So later I can be like, you know what? Earlier today when that thing happened and I yelled, that wasn't okay with me. That's not, that's not how I want to show up. I'm really sorry that happened. What do you need from me? And it's as someone who never got repair growing up, <laughs> it's really, really powerful not just for my relationship with my kids, but for my relationship with my younger parts too. It's healing forwards. It's healing backwards. Well, and as you were talking about that earlier in the membership, I just got this vision of, you know, I think we've all seen how not repairing really causes this space to grow between you and another individual, whether that's your child or your best friend or your partner or a coworker. And that when we allow these little snaps to happen, I kept getting this visual of two people taking one step further apart, one step further apart, one step further apart. And it seems to me like what the repair does is just keep those two souls close together, bonded together, um, good with one another. And it's interesting because uh, spirits had me on this journey the last couple of years. And I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast of, I think I was always searching for the perfect relationship, the perfect, you know, uh, relationship with my child, the perfect relationship with my friends. And uh, because I moved so frequently as a child um, and had to learn how to make new friends and new relationships constantly, it was very easy to just be like, okay, peace out, you know, like this happened. I didn't know how to repair at all. Um, and I'm still learning how to do that. And, and it's very eye-opening because I have friends who are very good at repair and they have not let me run away they they make it so they're like no like this isn't the end of our friendship like we're just gonna talk this out julie and it's like oh really like that's how friendships work okay but but you you're kind of learning that as you go and and it's it's amazing it's very healing you're right to yourself as well i'm i'm smiling <laughs> i was just laughing at what you shared too it's it's also relatable to me and a in my younger years was, the term wasn't uh, around then, but what we call ghosting now. <laughs> I definitely yeah. was, I ghosted people a lot. And in my life now, and looking back, having done so much work on that, I mean, because it, it was always like, oh, well, they did this thing or this thing happened and we got in this fight and then it was just, oh, I'm done. And it was just, that was it. And now I go, oh, right. That was that disconnection because the disconnection was also so familiar to me from my childhood, just feeling disconnected and, you know, in relationship and, you know, having very little intimacy. And so that reconnection, I appreciate what you talked about, those two, two souls coming back together. To me, that's the reconnection. That's being back in connection mm -hmm. and with kids, with friends, with, you know, loved ones. Like that's really, that's really the, the beautiful kind of relational medicine that we all need is that connection. And so when we're out of connection, it's extremely painful. And I didn't know it at the time that I was in pain. I didn't, I mean, was, I knew that I was angry or frustrated at something that happened and was just so focused on the other person that I couldn't see, oh, I'm actually really hurting here. 
And I had to do so much work to get to a place where I could even speak up because that's part of my history too. Just not like, don't say the thing, never tell someone that you're upset with them. <laughs> Just never say anything, you know, that was too personal or too emotional or whatever. And so doing all this work has led me to be in this place to go, oh, I can say, I can repair when I need to repair. And I can also say, hey, hey, that actually really hurt my feelings when, when you said that. Do you have time to talk about that either now or later? Like, can we just have a conversation about it? And it's like you said, oh yeah, this is, this is how relationships can function. And I had no idea that that was even possible that one kind of, and I still go through this with my partner. It's like something will come up and I'm like, oh, the relationship's not over. Like you're not leaving. He's like, no, I love you. I'm not leaving. We just, we're going to talk this through. It's like, oh, and then kind of every little one in me can just take an exhale, but it, it's taken time to get there, you know, yeah. to like trust that. Cause that's also trust. It's yeah. building that trust muscle within ourselves. Like I trust that I can be myself and have a moment or say, hey, you hurt my feelings and we're going to um, come through that. And, you know, the other piece that I just wanted to mention briefly is like building trust. And then also, especially with our kids is building resilience, right? When we're repairing with them, they're learning a, that humans make mistakes a lot and that this is what I should expect, right? This is what I should expect. And this is like to me, it also is very much tied into self-worth. Like I didn't know growing up that when something like that happened, that I should expect that. Like I should, that that was even possible, right? And so for our son, like he's now, he now knows and he also will initiate repair. He will initiate repair. We're not harping on him. Go apologize to so-and-so. That's not how we parent. It will come from him. Eventually he will go, you know what? I'm sorry about earlier. Like, thanks, babe. I get it. You know, I get it. Like you've got space to, you know, be a fully, fully fledged like being as well. Um, so there's, there's so many elements to that. And I'm really glad that we're in this conversation. Wow. Thank you so much to the 250 people who raised their hand to volunteer and start a local chapter of spiritual women in their part of the world. If you'd like to join one of these free local chapters and hang out with spiritual women in your area, go over to my website, theangelmedium.com and enter your email address at the top of the homepage. Soon, we'll be sending you an email with a list of local chapters you can join for free. And friends, I'd love your help getting the word out about this. If you're a podcaster who'd be willing to have me on your show to talk about this community project, or an influencer who'd be willing to go live with me on social media, maybe you own your own business and your clients would love this. We can send you info that you can email to them. Or if you have another idea of how we could get the word out, we'd love your help connecting as many women around the world as possible through local chapters of spiritual women that we're forming right now. In the show notes, there's a link to a form you can fill out to help us get the word out. You can also use this form to become a local chapter leader. Oh, friends, I feel the magic. I hope you feel the magic too. The angels are putting together this incredible worldwide network of soul sisters. And I am just so excited to see how they work through us to help bring us together in friendship and serve the world.
One of the things that I've heard you talk about before too is that when it comes to having a breath practice, that it's something, well, first it's so simple that we can interweave into our everyday. But one of the things that almost makes me nervous about a breath practice is how much people talk about what can come up. And you led us through a couple of exercises to um, in the membership to really figure out and and see kind of what's underneath our breath and what's there. But for other people who might feel that way too, of like, oh my, like there's probably more trauma layers that I haven't worked through that are underneath um, that might come up. What does the process look like when you are in a breath practice, you're breathing, your eyes are closed, something comes up for you. What is the process that people take to kind of work with that energy, be with that energy? Or maybe are there some days where you just don't have capacity to be with it at all? This is a really great question as well, or great questions. And there's a lot of, there's a couple of different things I can say, a lot of different pathways into practice. And there's also just like with yoga or meditation or kind of different uh, healing arts modalities. There are lots of different ways to practice. And I, I, encourage, uh, I encourage people in the beginning of the work, especially if you're practicing by yourself, to set an intention for yourself and kind of create a container to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to set an intention to work on um, a big piece of trauma today by myself. Um, and, if so, and or if something comes up that is too much for my system, I'm going to take a pause and get some additional support for myself. I think those things are really, really important just to know like you don't have to, if something big comes up in your practice and something is unearthed, which often happens, it often happens, especially in the beginning, a lot can show up. Anything that is in our subconscious, anything that is repressed, um, when we start accessing the breath, we start accessing different states of consciousness our bodies open up in different ways. I've had a lot of clients who start a practice and then they have memories that just appear. They're like, oh, wow, this really traumatic thing happened to me at three and I had no idea. That's how intense I've been blocking it out. And first we want to just honor, really honor our systems. Like, wow, you've been carrying this and your, your system has been doing everything it can to keep you safe. Like, wow. Like our, our systems are brilliant. They are so brilliant and so intelligent. And so we always want to honor those parts of ourselves that have been working and working and working to keep us safe and protected. And then the second piece is getting some support. So if you're practicing by yourself, often I encourage a lot of laying of hands. And I know you mentioned earlier that um, a lot of my practice feels very akin to energy work. And I have studied energy work a lot, especially in my early days. And so it's a lot of laying of hands. It's placing your hands on your heart. It's giving yourself and your system some support and some containment and just some touch like, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Like, I've got you. I've got you. If this is too much, we can stop. We can take a break. Like always, I always encourage a pause. Always take as many pauses as you need to and be really kind of spacious and gentle with yourself in that process. If something comes up that is clearly like <laughs> you'll feel it too much for your system or you start to feel depressed or really disassociated you know, for multiple kind of days after practice, seek some support. You get some outside support for yourself. Lean on your other tool, your friends, your, you know, trusted people that can support you through this work. 
Um, but yeah, things, things will come up and I often have clients, especially in the beginning, they're like, I've been avoiding breath work because my <laughs> friends do it and they say they just cry all the time. <laughs> like, yeah, yep. You might cry a lot. Or, you know, another thing that can happen, you might get in there and go, wow, I am, I've got a lot of angry parts that have not been given any space to be angry. Right. And I'm a big big proponent of getting in touch with our anger, of using anger as a creative energy. I think that there's so much potency in anger that we can channel and use for all kinds of things, creative projects. But it's um, the whole thing about all this work is that it's about coming back home to ourselves, calling our parts home, just being so gentle, being so gentle. And to your point earlier, if there's something that's too much or we need to take a break from our practice to just honor that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much in our culture that is like, if you take a break, there's, you know, it's, you're not going to get the thing that you want or you're not doing it right. Or you just need to keep going, keep pushing, keep pushing. And I am the total opposite of that. Like, yes, know when you're avoiding something and name it if you can't, like when you can, right? Sometimes we don't even know we're avoiding things Um, and it's okay. And we honor, oh, I didn't know that then about myself. I didn't know that I was avoiding. So we send love to that part that was avoiding unconsciously. And then we bring it into consciousness. And we bring it into our breath. Okay, breath, I'm here with you. I'm here with my body. Yeah, let's be with this. And if we can't, we acknowledge that too. And just give ourselves, like, keep coming back to this, but just give ourselves grace. Yeah. Right? We've been through so much. And not only have we been through so much, but there's so much happening all the time. So how do we give ourselves grace, right? To just be, to your point that we talked about in the membership, to exist, to just be. And if that means that we can breathe today in a way that is conscious and loving and, or that we want to tap into our creativity and kind of change things around, awesome, do it. And then the days when we're like, you know what? I just can't. I just can't. It's okay. Yeah. I want to take some questions because I know that some of our members have questions. And so I'm going to start with Robin, one of the things, so Robin, I'm going to have you unmute so that you can come on. But one of the things that was coming up for me, actually, when you were talking is taking things to my therapist, like if they come in, in breath work, I feel like if you know, you have that support, or maybe if you wanted to, um, you know, bring it into your counselor or therapist, I think that's a great resource too, that you might have if something comes up. Yeah. yeah, it's so important. It's so important to acknowledge when we need more support. And for me, as coming from a background of like, I, I, I got it. Like, I don't need help. <laughs> I don't need help. I'm going to do this on myself. I'm going to do this on myself. Um, but we're humans and we're relational beings and relationship is healthy, connected, you know, kind of reciprocal relationship is medicine for us. And therapeutic relationship can be, has definitely been a cornerstone of my of my growth, you know, for many decades now, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's really, really important. And just, just, I think the other piece there is just to know, and it doesn't have to be a therapist, right? It can be a trusted friend or just, Hey, I did this practice and this is what came up. Do you have a few minutes to just listen to me and just, yeah. you know, kind of support me in this work that I'm doing and this piece that I uncovered about myself. Right. So there's a lot of different ways we can access that, or we can go out in nature. Right? I talk to our trees a lot. <laughs> you know, I'm out with the land a lot and I'm just sitting with the land and sometimes I'll lay down and I'm like, hold me, you know, hold me. And so there's, there's lots of different access points for that, um, getting that support that we need um, and acknowledging that support that we need. And also just taking a minute to just n- acknowledge that needing support doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're not doing it right or that 
we are just have so many problems. I think that's a big thing in um, American culture anyway, is that, oh, if you need help, like there's something wrong with you, you should be able to just kind of do it on your own. It's like, no, we're not actually even designed that way. <laughs> so that's completely antithetical to human beings, uh, but we need connection. And so where do we find that safe connection with other humans and with plants, with animals and in nature? Amazing. Amazing. Robin, welcome. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Good. What's your question today? My, I have heard that when you inhale, it affects your sympathetic nervous system. And when you exhale, it affects your parasympathetic nervous system. Or do I have that backwards? I don't know. But um, how does that deal with breath work? Because sometimes when I'm breathing, I wonder which should I be inhaling only or inhaling and exhaling through the mouth? I mean, exhaling through the mouth is for parasympathetic. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So that's a great question. And so oftentimes I remember years ago speaking on a panel, this big conference and you know, that interviewer was like, okay, you have one, one tip that you can give, you know, the 500 people that are here, like, what's your one tip? And I'm like, oh gosh, there's one tip. But it was actually a whole a panel of other breathwork experts as well. And we all, it was conclusive. We were all like, the biggest tip we can give is a long exhale. So a long exhale through the nose is going to be the most regulating for the parasympathetic nervous system. And so that can look like inhaling through the nose and then um, Sorry, let me turn that off. It can look like inhaling through the nose and then exhaling through the nose. And if you exhale and make your exhale a little bit longer than your inhale, then that is automatically going to start to shift your system into a parasympathetic. It's not going to happen instantaneously. It's going to take practice, but that is essentially the practice. So it could look something like inhale for four, exhale for six. And this is all happening through your nose. Inhaling through your nose for four, exhaling through your nose for six. And so that... That's a kind of general consensus in kind of all across breathwork communities that that is the proven way to sort of work with nervous system regulation, specifically getting into parasympathetic. As far as sympathetic nervous system and doing a practice that's more energized, then I would often encourage an inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth or inhaling and exhaling through the mouth. So those are all different kinds of practices that you can do. And inhale and exhale through the mouth is going to be more activating and it is going to bring our systems up into sympathetic. So if that's where, if we're looking for a practice to kind of wake up <laughs> to get some energy, then I would encourage that um, and inhale through the mouth and exhale through the mouth. Most of the practices I teach are going to be in and out through the nose or in through the nose and out through the mouth. Um, I don't teach a ton of practices that bring folks into sympathetic state because that's as a someone who works in the field of trauma, that's not typically what folks are needing the most of. And that's just been my practice. But I know there are a lot of teachers out there who will instruct otherwise in those other to kind of achieve different states. So that was a great question. Perfect. Yay. We have a question from Carly. Thank you so much, Ashley, for that practice earlier. That was really incredible. And actually to um, illustrate your own point. Like I was throwing away my exhales. I noticed when, when we first started getting into it and extending it, did all sorts of emotions. Um, so just to sort of yes and exactly what you were saying. And this also dives into um, my question. Um, I'm thinking about, you mentioned earlier that you check in with yourself. Um, and this is something I think our community does regularly is, you know, talk to yourself and ask your angels what you need to know. When it comes to the thought of what you need for your practice today, what does my body need? Do you have a process where you scan? Do you sort of pick the first thing that comes to mind? I find myself 
I've got so much, right? And sometimes spirit comes through too with like all of this stuff at once. And I'm like, ah, which one do I do first? And this one's better than this one. And oh, but I like that one too. Um, how do you just pick one and know that, I mean, I guess faith is knowing that it's the right one, but do you have a process for that um, based on the work that you do? I love, I love your question, Carly. It's really great and <laughs> super relatable. Um, especially in those moments when you're like, and like the floodgates are open, like the downloads are here. There's it's like, right, right, right. like the angels are talking, it's all happening. Right, right? Like, the right, right. like the communication channel is open. <laughs> it is open now. <laughs> right. right. And I think right. um, I totally relate to that too. And uh, as someone who also tends to be in some instances, like I can be more cerebral in some places. And so it's like, okay, well, I've got all these ideas and this can happen in a moment. And I love your question. Like in terms of just doing a practice for the day, this also shows up for me a lot in my creative work. It's like, well, I've got all these ideas. Like I don't, I've got all these downloads, which project do I pick? Right. And like, how do I know what, it, like, should I pick that one? Should I pick that one? Cause they all seem awesome. But then, you know, so it can leave me a little bit just confused. And then like, I don't even know where to start. And right. so in some ways you answered the question already so beautifully. It's like trusting, right. And just that faith of like, I just pick one. And I think in your, in the, in the chat too, you said, should I just go with kind of the first one? And oftentimes yeah. that's a great, just, that's a great way to go for me. Sometimes when the things are coming in so fast and then I have trouble distinguishing like which one was first, I don't know. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. So I'll do, I, I use a lot of hands on work in my practice with myself hand, like sometimes even just both hands on my heart. If I'm feeling like I'm in a little bit of a state of confusion, in the beginning of practice or trying to choose what practice I want to do. This is a really great one. Anyone can do it's a hand on the forehead and a hand at the nape of the neck. And so this is actually a trauma practice too, which I love. And this is a really wonderful regulating practice. And so when you do one hand here and then one hand on your neck, you want to just give gentle pressure. Right? So uh -huh. you want to think about maybe like five or like no more than 10% kind of pressure here mm -hmm. and breathe. And this is so organizing. It's so organizing. So when I hear there's a lot of stuff coming in and like, which do I pick immediately? Like I go to organization. It's like, how do we get organized? How do we prioritize? Yeah. And so this practice right here, this really simple handhold, go, oh. and it will come. As soon as your system drops down, yeah. you will know, like then, then you go right into first hit. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's yeah. A, it's also, um, it's speaking of therapists, my therapist will say like, you know, doing this also will help with like, I'm safe kind of a thing, but that totally makes sense to me in yeah. terms of, of light pressure and just sort of like, whatever I choose, nothing's going to be wrong. I think that's yeah. the other, the other part about it is like, you get excited about this work, especially when it works for you. And I feel like you, you, it, you muted yourself, Carly, either that or spirit muted me, Jules. That's, that's typically what happens. <laughs> What happens? I'm done with my my question, but um, that's that's where I struggle is when it becomes push energy is what I was saying, um, and I really, really, as a former actor and singer, loved your comment, and maybe you can talk more about this about the notion of um, how much tension it causes if you're doing like I did Alexander technique of sort of holding your diaphragm open and sitting on that to project, and then for me. I was throwing away my exhales. I was, it's all about the inhale. It's all about holding it. And I, it sits in my shoulders. And I was like, this can't be healthy, but this is the way that I'm being taught to do it. Maybe I just need to push harder. 
and I really, it really was an aha moment for me. So maybe you can talk more about that too. When it comes to these breath apps that people have, you have to hold four, you have to hold six, you have to like four, 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 seven, or whatever it is. Um, it can get stressful. And I love the notion that you have the freedom that you gave us in terms of just inhale, exhale, um, and, and, extend that a little bit. It was really awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you, Carly. And I appreciate what you brought up too around you know, the acting and singing. I, um, I've never acted, but I took voice. I worked with a very, very um, prominent uh, voice teacher in Los Angeles when I lived there. And it was a lot. It was for singing and for just for vocal stuff in general, but it was a lot of the, you know, and we did a little bit of that in our class with the hands on the on the ribs, but it wasn't about like push out, hold, hold, hold. Okay. Inhale more now and then push out even more now. And then inhale. I mean, it's just like, you're just like, okay, okay. Now what? And even as I'm saying that my whole back, I'm like, Ooh, that doesn't feel good. My back is really tense. Even my fingers are like getting really tense in my face. Um, and there wasn't, and that's it. That's, those are various kind of standardized techniques that have been used for a very long time. And, they just didn't work for, for me. And I can see it for sure in singing, like there's there's a certain amount of air that you have to have in in order to hold a note. I mean, all those things make sense. But in terms of the work that I do and um, yeah, there's just, there's there's other layers. <laughs> and I know you all get this because of the, the work that you're doing in the community. There's other layers. So there's other pieces that come into play. And I've actually worked with quite a few um singers and well-known musicians and, you know, all kinds of people in that space, actors as well. And there's always some kind of imprintation that's showing up in that work that is about like when we're pushing and pushing and pushing that much, there's an imprint there. There's some kind of imprint in the system. And so how do we create that capacity through our own potency, right? Through our own breath, through our own aliveness. And I know from, I don't sing, and I sing to my kids and stuff, but I don't obviously do that professionally or <laughs> anywhere in public, but from speaking right, and from doing so many speaking gigs over the years, like there's a way that we can access our depth and our presence through our breath, through these really gentle techniques that are going to help us kind of unwind our imprints, get to know what those things are so that we are coming out and projecting from a place of worth, right? From a place of our value, from a place of our power that's the missing piece. When we've got that, we don't need all these fancy techniques because it comes out, right? It comes out because it's also what you all know so well in your community. It's the energetics behind it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, am I projecting that I deserve to be here? Am I projecting that I can, I'm allowed to take up space right now, right? And, and so actually, when those things aren't in place, the breath is going to be shallow. There's no amount of forcing that can kind of get us there. Ashley, explain what you mean to everybody by imprint. And I want to just kind of explain to the audience what Carly was talking a little bit about, because as I've dealt with uh, vocal disorder the last couple of years, I've gone to um, some of the best vocal therapists too. And when you work with them, they work with you on your breath. And it's very, very uncomfortable at times. Um, it, and it can actually hurt too, the way that they teach you to work. Um, so what exactly do you mean by that imprint? And I'd love to talk to you offline a little bit about this too, because I'd love to know some of these simpler tools that don't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what I mean, so imprint is a word I um, borrow from one of my teachers who passed away several years ago. And the way he describes this, like kind of just who we are, right? As humans that we have, we all come in with a blueprint, right? And so we can think of our blueprint as our like authentic authenticity, 
right? It's our kind of who we are as humans. And I, people always say, oh, it's from the time you're born until, you know, this time. But some of us have birth trauma, right? We have ancestral trauma. Like there's all these other things, but our blueprint is our core essence. It's kind of what's underneath that. It's what's underneath that. And so a lot of my work is working with the nervous system and kind of getting the nervous system organized so we can do the things that we need to do. But then there's other layers. There's actually stuff underneath the nervous system. And that's not taught a lot. That's not talked about a lot. Um, but it's it's real. It's true. It's scientifically proven, you know, all the things. And we just know it, right? As humans, we know that. We can just feel that in our own bodies for a second. Like, okay, I've got my nervous system going. I've got, you know, I get up in the morning. I do things. I have, you know, moments when I rest. And then I also, there's also something happening underneath all that, right? There's something happening in our fluid system. There's something happening in our energetic system. And so what happens with the imprints or the imprints are any places where we have um, trauma, where we have shame, where we were kind of, you know, born into or forced into situations that didn't work for us, right? And so that's what we're looking at. So a lot of that kind of unworthiness shows up in our breath. Right? It shows up in how we breathe. It shows up in the kind of space that we will take up or won't take up. It shows up in the places in our body that carry pain and tension. It shows up in a lot of different places. And so a lot of breath work is getting in touch with those imprints or getting in touch with those places where we feel unworthy, that we feel like we don't deserve or we feel like or we've had or experienced a lot of trauma. And that doesn't mean just trauma right now or in our childhoods, even trauma from our ancestors, right? Or from the things that we're as humans doing to our planet, right? So it's it's really complex. It's really nuanced. And so when we talk about imprints, that's essentially what we're talking about are these places in our system where we had to kind of break off from ourselves and do something to survive. And so a lot of breath work is like I've, I said before, it's about calling our parts home and it's about integrating our imprints so that we can be more in touch with our blueprint, so that we can be more in touch with our inherent worth and our inherent value. That's Just for existing. That's it. Yeah. Just for existing, you know, period. I love it. Not because of what we do or, you know, whatever. It's just literally for existing. All right. I've got one more question for you. And it's for women who are going through something or even men um, where you know that you're going through a traumatic experience that's going to last a period of time, six months, a year, whatnot, people who are going through divorce, um, people who maybe are working through alcoholism at home, um, people who like have a child who's going through uh, a medical need. There are times in life, um, even grief, you know, you have someone close to you who passes away and you know, this isn't going to resolve itself in a one hour you know, 60 minute session with my therapist, I am going to be swimming in this heavier energy for a period of time in my life. And I think that that can be anxiety driven for people just in and of itself. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be in this heavier state of energy. And I don't know when this is going to end for me. I don't feel like myself. How do you work with the breath? How do you work with life and your anxiety in a way that you're like, okay, I might not be baseline for a while, but I can do X, Y, and Z. Let's take a moment to sit with what you just brought up and those questions because they're really, really, really important. Really important. And one of the big things that came up for me as you were talking, there's actually two two things, but 
it's a big thing that came up is pleasure. And I know this is <laughs> really like, well, what does that even mean? And we have a lot of associations with what that might mean for us. But what I mean by that is something that feels good, right? And so, so much, at least in American culture is like, it's very anti-pleasure. <laughs> it's very like anti what feels good, right? In ways that like actually feel good. It's more about like what's external, right? It's like all these external things, like that's the thing that's going to like make you feel good, right? Or valuable or, or worthy or all these things, but it's about pleasure. And so in those moments and in those seasons, in those seasons and those years, right? Those periods of time when we just, like you said, we've got um, a sick child, we've got, and I'm, our, um, our youngest son who we adopted, and I'll share this candidly here, but our youngest son who we adopted last month came to us through foster care. And we he arrived at our house when he was seven days old after being in the NICU for seven days and heavily detoxing from methamphetamine. And uh, we supported him to detox those first six months of his life. And it was an incredibly, incredibly uh, painful and just heart-wrenching and sleep-deprived and just really, really hard, really hard time, really, really hard time. And that was just last year. And we are on the other side of all that now, which is so amazing. But that was that was one of my biggest practices is just how can I, in just one moment, just one micro moment, find one tiny thing that is bringing me pleasure. And that could be a hand on my heart, feeling my breath. That could be like having just a sip of just like really good herbal tea, right? That could be looking out the window when it's raining and watching the rain hit a leaf. I mean, it, it can just literally be anything. And I think the important thing here is that it's something that is just so small because what's what happens in those moments and in those seasons where you said there's like this massive amount of anxiety or there's so much grief and, and grief can register in the body really heavy and if left kind of unsupported, it can lead folks into, you know, really depressed states. So and for, for long periods of time, you know, and so there's, there, there's that piece, there's finding like one, one micro moment of pleasure. I mean, it can literally be like this way the sweater feels on my skin, you know, there's just, and how do we look for that? And how do we orient ourselves towards that? And that is something that we're not taught. We're just not taught to even look for that. And that it's, again, this goes back to like, Am I deserving of that? Like I'm in this really hard moment and my kid is suffering or I've lost somebody. Like, do I deserve to just find one like sliver of pleasure for myself? The answer is yes. And that can be hard, right? There's guilt. There's all these things that we have to contend with in that moment and in those seasons. And the other piece that is coming up for me around that and what you shared. So it's finding that, you know, it's really finding those slivers of pleasure. And then it is, um, Oh yeah, here we go. Support, right? Is support. So, what support do we need? And we can, like I said before, we can support ourselves with our hands on our bodies, with a hug, with breath. So, breath can be really nourishing, really supportive. We can call a friend. There's this new study that's out now. I think it's it's like the eight minute phone call study where you like talk to a talk to a friend for eight minutes and talk to a loved one for eight minutes and eight minutes. Right, just eight minutes. Pick up that phone. Like, not don't send a text, don't send a DM, don't send an email. Right, take out the phone. Like, get your phone. Call. Hey, do you have eight minutes to talk to me? Because I am really hurting right now, and I just want to hurt. I don't want to hurt alone. Right, and I want what we want to share that. And you know, when we're in community with each other, I think that there's there's so much now, especially with social media and all these things. It's like it's 
yes, it's, it's not really community, right? Our community are the people that we can call when we're hurting that will show up and like bring us a pot of soup or that will be like, Hey, let me just hang out with your kid for an hour. So you can go cry in the bathroom, right? So you can just go take a shower or go do what you need to do for yourself. It's like, that's what we need. We need to call on our community in those moments and in those seasons and let people support us, right? Let people support us, let people and receive the support. And as someone who has struggled and has done so much work around feeling worthy enough to receive support, and now I'm at a place where I can call my friends and go, hey, I'm not okay today. I'm just not okay. Do you have five minutes or eight minutes right, to just hear me out? And that's all I need. I just need to be heard and just feel like someone's sharing this load with me. And that can be such a huge thing. And so often when we're in these experiences, um, and even like the one I just shared about um, detoxing our son, it can feel extremely isolating. Mm-hmm. It's so isolating. I don't have any other friends that have um, detoxed a infant from methamphetamine. I mean, it was so just so hard. It was so hard. And I was calling people and reaching out and be like, can you bring us some food? We, I mean, we just literally can't even cook today. We're just, I've been up with this kid for 18 hours. Like, I don't even know what's happening or, Hey, can you come hang out with our older son? Cause he really needs support right now. And I am tapped. Like I have nothing in this moment, like literally nothing. I'm not showering. I'm not even doing any self-care. I'm barely breathing, right? I'm barely hanging on. So people would come over and take him for a walk for an hour just to give me enough of a reprieve so that I could get back in there, right? And so that I could be present. Because for me, that's really like this question is like, how do I stay present with myself through these seasons and through these experiences that are so, so hard, that are so hard, right? Because there and, and more will come. That's just inevitable. But like, how do I stay present in pleasure and support? Those are yeah. the two two pieces. One one tiny follow-up question here, because I, you know, there's a difference. There's a difference between when we were young and we had no clue the trauma that we were going through. And it just kind of compounded because we weren't working through it at the time. And that's different from us being an adult and recognizing, okay, I'm going to go through this season of my life. This is going to get hard, but I am going to come to the other side of this and everything's going to be okay. Do you think that as an adult, when we look at it from that perspective and we're doing these little things that you just talked about, that it is minimizing uh, the amount of trauma that might be compounding or wounds that are compounding within us so that we're actually kind of going through the process of healing as we're going through the thing instead of it all compounding and us dealing with it all? after the thing. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And yes, because what you just said is so that's, that's my experience. And that's what I've seen with clients and friends over the years too. We're actually experiencing it. And that goes back to what I was just saying at the end, like we're present, we're presencing in that hard moment in that hard season. We're not avoiding, we're not checking, you know, we're not like doing all the things. And, and that's not to say that we won't do that in that season too, right? We might be like, you know what? I'm going to just go binge Bridgerton right now because that's all I can manage. And like, we're going to just go do the thing on Netflix or whatever. And I'm, I'm one for just welcoming it all and not um, shaming ourselves or beating ourselves up for doing things that maybe culture or society is like, oh, well, that means you're, it's like, no, we're not even designed to be feeling grief at, at full tilt 
all the time. Like that's just literally not even possible. And so how do we kind of circumvent, like how do we come in there with those moments of support, those moments of joy, and also make space for the moments when we're like, you know what, I'm just going to go do this other thing over here because that's for me. And then I'm going to get back to that, but I'm going to acknowledge it while I'm doing it. Right. I'm going to be like, you know what, this is what I'm doing. I just did that a couple weeks ago. I binged a show at night. My kids were asleep. I was so tired. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this because I need like a reset. My brain just needs to like take a moment. And that's what works for me. I didn't, I don't need to like feel bad about myself or all these things because I'm already doing so much in my life. And I know that. And I trust that too. So it's, it's giving ourselves a lot of grace, but back to your question. Yes, it is. We are doing the work and we're processing it in real time. We're not getting a backlog because it's not stacking, 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 stacking. And we're not avoiding, right? We're in it. We're in it. And we're also allowed to take breaks from being in it, right? (laughs) Amazing. Ashley Neese, everyone. She is the author of How to Breathe, Permission to Rest, which is coming out this fall. Pre-order it now, Permission to Rest. Oh, this is a book that humanity needs right now. Um, Ashley, where can everybody find you? They should be following you over on Instagram. I love your Instagram page. Um, So much great info over there. And then your website, where do you want people to um, come find you at? Yes, you can find me over on Instagram, Ashley underscore niece. You can also find my website, ashleyneese.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Beautiful soul. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know, I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now, who's connecting with you, and what messages they have for you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a session. You can do a reading with me or a member of my team. We're all incredible. We all talk to angels daily, and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life. If this sounds like you, virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business. You can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at angelpodcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you.